Welcome to Diabetes Unplugged. Welcome to Diabetes Unplugged, the podcast where we shine light on life beyond the diagnosis and dare to redefine the way we approach diabetes wellness. And for the very first episode of Diabetes Unplugged, I decided that it is high time that I do something that I have never done, and that is share my real, raw, and radical story about my battle with diabetes. I'm nervous about today's episode, and I know that it is because one, I've never told this version of my story before. And the second part of that is, I think my personal experience with diabetes was so traumatic for me that I sometimes struggle to talk about it because even now after doing so much healing and personal work and no longer battling diabetes, it still stirs up certain emotions and memories for me that I've worked really hard to heal from. And at the same time, and it sounds super weird to say this out loud, But I also even now feel like my story isn't as significant as some of the other stories that I've heard from working with clients for the last five years. But as I mentioned, this podcast is about telling the real and the raw truth of living with diabetes. And again, what happens leading up to and beyond the initial diagnosis. So I want to share the details of my story and my experience with you in hopes that you'll get to know me on a deeper level and truly understand why my connection with the diabetes community is what it is. And I also hope that in sharing some of my deepest, darkest parts of my experience that you'll feel less alone and maybe one day feel inspired to tell your own story. Because I truly believe that talking about our experiences are so powerful. And for me, I know that hearing other people's stories, especially when it's something that I'm trying to navigate myself, is super inspiring and it makes me feel less alone because one of the things that I've realized pretty early on is how isolating and lonely this disease is. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have tried to record this episode multiple times on my own and I was unsuccessful each time. So I thought that I'd bring in some help from someone that I know and trust who would be able to help me tell my story in the way that it deserves to be shared. So in this episode, I decided to put myself in the hot seat and have my friend Jared Dam from the It's About Damn Time podcast interview me and help me create an episode where vulnerability meets empowerment and where I share not only the struggles, but also the resilience that defines my connection with the diabetes community. Enjoy. I am happy that you are doing this podcast, um, Diabetes Unplugged. And you've been talking about, you said you've been talking about doing a podcast for quite some time. I guess before I get started with anything and, and, and getting getting to know you and asking these questions about your story, like how did you even get into like nutrition and diabetes and being an advocate for people that don't look like you currently because i i look a lot bigger what do you mean don't look like me currently what do you mean i mean you know what i'm saying i mean you i mean you you don't look like a traditional diabetic so when people see your instagram they're they're seeing this 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 gorgeous woman is talking about diabetes and and wellness and everything i'm like how the hell she talking about that like don't she like lift weights and (laughs) and go for walks and do yoga like all the time so What's okay, what's going well, on? Here? I mean, how, how well, yeah. 
my okay i'm gonna answer the question but i gotta like i gotta ask a question to answer that question because okay like isn't it better i don't know from your perspective isn't it better received as far as like i guess the way that i look so to speak isn't it better received from someone who i guess embodies wellness or looks like they embody wellness to be educating other people on diabetes wellness you know what i mean like wouldn't you receive it differently if someone looked i guess what people typically think a diabetic looks like uh yeah you you would receive it differently um but, but at the same time i would also think that somebody would just be then just after you had diabetes you just be mm-hmm. talking strictly about wellness and yeah. and 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 that and that would be the the focus but you still well, you still talk about diabetes. You you talk mm-hmm. about diabetes. So I'm like, what what caused you to want to talk about diabetes so much? Where where's that passion come from? I think for me, it comes from. I think it comes from a lot of things. But I think when you asked me that, two main things popped into my head. And the very first one was my own journey with diabetes. I had gestational diabetes when I was pregnant with my son, and that was probably one of the most lowest points of my entire life. And I've had some low points, don't get me wrong, but navigating diabetes. And I think it was, I say it's one of the lowest points of my life because I was navigating diabetes in addition to all the other things that I was also navigating at that time. So diabetes just kind of became that cherry on top or that like straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. And that kind of just put me into this like downward spiral of just a lot of mental health issues, emotional, physical, all that kind of stuff. So having gestational diabetes, I think that, and I guess connecting back to how I felt back then and the experience that I had, that was definitely one of the things that I was just like, I never want anybody to ever feel the way that I felt during that time. Not if I have something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's interesting. And, and it's all right that, um, cause I don't, I, I don't think that a lot of people know that you, you are former diabetic. I guess it's once you're yeah. diabetic, you're always a diabetic, right? Like you just, not necessarily, but not necessarily like when you reverse it, is it, is you, is it, is it over with? When you reverse it, it's reverse. You know what I mean? Right. Now, again, there's going to be there's going to be different things that you're going to need to do in order to maintain that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like once you once you have the tools to reverse it and you actually do it, you know, you can't go back to doing things the way that you did before. You know what I mean? But I think at the same time, you're right. not going to want to either, you know, so right. Right. it just it, it's a little bit different. But I I don't talk about it a lot. I don't I don't talk about my story a lot. And I think. I don't talk about that part of my story. Let me put it like that. Why is that? Um, I think it's just really scary for me. I think it puts me in a very vulnerable place. And I also find myself feeling as though, because I've, I've seen like hundreds of people, you know what I mean? I've seen hundreds of mm-hmm. clients and I've, you know, influenced hundreds of thousands of people you know, to, you know, take back control of their health or, you know, just in whatever, in in whatever way, shape or form. Right. 
And because I've worked with so many people and I've heard so many stories of like where they come from and, you know, what led to diabetes and I've helped them overcome it, all that kind of stuff. I feel like when it came to my personal story, it wasn't as significant as some of the journeys that I've helped people through. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, yeah, you know, you have gestational diabetes and usually when after birth, the gestational diabetes goes away and all that kind of stuff. So it just didn't feel as important. It, it was just like, yeah, you had diabetes, but like once you gave birth, it, it went away. So it doesn't really count. It, that's kind of how I have always mm-hmm. seen it in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, even though that kind of led to three years of postpartum depression after that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've had such a significant journey, but I think, you know, I compared to other people that I've helped, I just never felt like it was important enough to share. Well, obviously it is. I mean, let's cause let's talk about what you just said and the importance of what you just said. You you have seen hundreds of clients and influence hundreds to thousands of, of, of people, um, be it on social media and in and, and you know, YouTube throughout. Mm-hmm. That's big. Like like that's that's a, a huge accomplishment to hang your hat on. And so I feel like a lot of times people don't gravitate to someone and help someone and be influenced by someone in a positive manner mm-hmm. if they don't first latch on to a, a story that they have. So it's almost like reminding yourself that, that your story is important. And I kind of want to bring it back to where you said where you were in your life. You, you said that you were in a bad place, you know, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And so the, 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 the gestational di- diabetes was more like the, the cherry on top of a poo poo Sunday. So in in, <laughs> in, in in that sense, like let, let's let's talk about that the, the backstory on, on what got you there because I think a lot of people suffer through some of those things that you're suffering through, and as you talked about it in, in, in your work constantly, you're always you're always talking about how it's you know it's beyond a diagnosis, it's beyond just managing your your, your blood sugar level. So talk to me about that, that experience. I. <laughs> This is so nerve wracking for me. Okay. Life leading up, like, okay, when I think about life pre-pregnancy, I lived in Las Vegas for eight years. And I basically, I'm originally from Minnesota and I moved out of Minnesota when I was 13. Well, 12 going on 13. And I moved here um, to Vegas with my dad. And I was just starting, you know, high school. And so I did high school and all that kind of stuff, graduated, whatever, whatever. Um, There came a point in my life where my dad ended up, because it was me, two sisters, and my brother. Um, My dad ended up, you know, losing his job. He needed to go back to Minnesota and, you know, just some other things that were going on. It was hard times, you know, it was just hard times. I was in college at the time. I had, you know, my own place and, you know, others, other things, you know what I mean, going on. I was working. I was the branch manager at a place called Money Tree. It was like a retail finance place. And so I had to drop out of college to support my brothers and sisters at the place that they were living at. So, you know, I had to work more and, you know, just do different things like that. And I'm, you know, I'm 18 at the time. So at 18, I've become basically a guardian over my siblings, you know, and I had to grow up really fast. I just, even before then I had to grow up really fast. Like I was the person that was like, you know, 
cooking dinner after school to make sure my siblings ate and we're getting homework done. And I, I remember I used to, I lived in Summerlin and my, um, my siblings lived in North, North Vegas. And so I would have to get up every single day, drive 30 minutes across town to get my brother to school and like stuff like that. Like I'm just, I'm living kind of like that single mom life at 18, you know, trying to take care of my siblings and whatnot. I was also a party animal too. Not a party animal, but like me and my best friend, we would like pull all nighters, you know, like we get off work and we go out or whatever have you, or we're working like triple shifts, like different things like that. So I mean, I'm 18, so I'm just doing, you know, different things. I have a lot of responsibility. I'm paying my own bills. I'm helping put groceries in my siblings' house and my house, so all kinds of stuff. So that's a lot of, you know, pressure and things to be under at 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? So I just had a lot on me already. And I didn't know, I didn't know nothing about no health and wellness back then. I wasn't even, my mind wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm eating, I'm eating McDonald's every day. Like my thing was like back in the day, I don't know if it's still the same now, but like back in the day when you go to McDonald's, you get like a hot and spicy and and a McDouble and like you got both of those. And then my kryptonite was Dr. Pepper back in the day. So I would go get like a huge, big gulp size of Dr. Pepper because that's how I eased my stress. You know what I mean? So I was super stressed out with all the responsibility that I had. So I was eating everything under the sun. You know what I mean? But I was also a dancer. So I stayed active enough to where, you know, it appeared as though I was okay. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I think just all that happened. And then, you know, I reached another breaking point where I was just like, I got tired of, being the crutch for everyone because when you assume that role people get used to it and it doesn't make them want to do anything different because they're relying on you to kind of take care of them you know what i'm saying not that they're incapable of taking care of themselves but i just kind of became i assumed that role and became a crutch for everyone and i just reached a breaking point where i was like i don't want to do this anymore wow. and i literally i ended up losing the house that i was renting my car ended up getting totaled and I was just like, I got to get out of here. So I rented a car. I packed up, you know, the little bit of stuff that I could and I moved to Arizona and, you know, my partner at the time lived in Arizona and, you know, we moved in together and it was supposed to just be this temporary thing. till I got back on my feet, long story short, I didn't leave, ended up pregnant, and there you go. You know what I'm saying? But I think like when you consider the backstory, when you consider the amount of stress that I was under, when you consider I was barely sleeping, when you consider, you know, toxic eating habits, I'm, you know, eating all kinds of crap and all kinds of stuff, like that stuff catches up with you. You know what I'm saying? It catches up with you. It's not necessarily just a Oh yeah, you're young and your metabolism's fresh and da da da. You know what I'm saying? It's not that. Like all those things leading up to pregnancy is going to determine, you know, how your body's able to handle pregnancy too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if I knew then what I know now, like looking back, I was probably definitely like pre-diabetic. You know what I mean? I didn't know what that was called back then. You know what I mean? Right. 80% of people with pre-diabetes don't know they have it. But just based on, you know, my lifestyle and my eating habits and stuff like that, I was probably pre-diabetic, you know, leading up to pregnancy. So I'm not going to say it's no surprise that I ended up with gestational diabetes, but it kind of... It didn't surprise you. Yeah. It it surprised me, but it didn't surprise me. In hindsight. In hindsight. In hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and and I guess it makes a lot of sense. That was the point I was I was going to you know get to is the fact that wow, you had all the stress going in into stuff. Um, you you know you you coped with it mm. in different ways, and a lot of us cope cope with it whether it's you know it's partying or alcohol or or, or drugs or, or food. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are food, especially absolutely from, from a diabetic, and so you, you, yeah. So when you when you're doing all that, you're in that fight or flight mentality where you just like you know what I can't take it anymore, and you run. Mm-hmm. But you're you know, and it's kind of a lot of things that you talk about before is that you know just because you ran doesn't mean your body's not still in fight or flight. Oh, for and, sure. And that and that that probably was the case, and so now you add. um you know, pregnancy, which is one of the, the most stressful things uh, a, a person can can can, can experience, mm-hmm. um, and so it's, it's it's like you said, it's hindsight. It's no wonder that you got gestational diabetes. So let's let's fast forward. You 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 dealt with all that. You got pregnant from from your sugar baby, as, as you said on on, on multiple places, <laughs> multiple platforms. My sugar baby. <laughs> so. After, after, uh, after you had your your, your child, mm. what was the mindset, and what got you from, you know, this fight or flight, you know, that you, you that you had been living in for the last uh, few years to mm. to now? Let me work on myself and get myself better. What 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 did that journey look like? So I think I have to go back to when I got diagnosed. So. Mm. When I first of all, when I found out that I was pregnant, I was already not in a good space mentally because, like I said, I had ran from Vegas, and I was I I didn't have I didn't have anything, you know. I had you know some boxes of clothes and just you know little sentimental things or whatever, but I didn't have anything, you know. Like I I had quit my job and you know all that kind of stuff. So now I find myself in a place where I'm living with someone. I don't have any income, you know those those, those things, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, there was a point where I did end up, you know, getting a job and, you know, all those kinds of things. But then again, it was like stress on top of stress, you know what I'm saying? So this whole time my body's breaking down even before I got pregnant. And so then, you know, I get pregnant and shit gets real. It's like, I, at that, you know, I didn't believe in abortion at that time. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't, I don't believe in abortion for me, you know, I'll, I'll put it that way. And so it wasn't a question of, am I going to keep this baby? It was, you're pregnant. We got to figure this shit out. You know, like, what are we going to do? And so again, we're, we're just building on the stress factor here. (laughs) We're just, we're just building, we're building on top of each other. And so I remember the day before I got tested for gestational diabetes. It wasn't that I wasn't aware that the test was coming up. I knew it, but I was so stressed out and unsure and uncertain. You know what I mean? I didn't know what was going to happen. I remember the night before I was literally binge eating on pizza and ice cream and I was going in like, cause I'm emotional. I'm hungry all the time. Um, I didn't feel, I wasn't one of those beautiful pregnant women. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, that was not me. I looked like a whale. Like I just, I was not beautiful at all. And I also come from a background of like super low self-esteem, like extremely low. And so this was just kind of, again, there's so many layers to it. And so when I went the next day, I got tested or whatever. And now it's just like, 
you know, you go into the doctor's office, they're like, well, yeah, you know, your blood sugar is high, you have gestational diabetes, you know, go to this class and speak to this, we'll set you up with a dietitian, da, 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 you know what I mean? And I went to the classes and I spoke with the dietitian and it was like, I think that's where the real trauma kind of hit me. It was like, I was being spoken to like it was my fault. Like mm. you did this. You know what yeah. I mean? The reason why you're in this situation is because of this. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, I didn't feel understood. I didn't feel like people really wanted to help me. I didn't feel like I had any guidance, like nothing. You know, I was like, oh, just go to this class so we can, you know, help you know what to expect through labor and, you know, check your blood sugar four times a day and, you know, prick your fingers and do all this. And, you know, if it doesn't stay this, then we're going to think about medication and all that kind of stuff. So now you're just like, I'm at this place where I'm supposed to be so excited and happy and all the thing, you know, picking out baby names and looking at baby clothes and, you know, all the kind of thing. That was not my reality. It just wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And so I remember one of the immediate feelings that I felt besides fear was resentment. You know, I I remember I was so depressed that I started saying things like, you know, I just want this to be over. I wish, you know, I wish this had never happened. And, you know, just saying really off the wall, scary, scary things that I shouldn't have been saying, you know, like it's, it's really sad, you know? And I was also in a place where, you know, my partner at the time, because now we have this baby coming, you know, he had to work a lot. So I was also really isolated. I was by myself a lot. You know, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I wasn't in a place in my life where I was connected to people. I ran, I isolated myself, you know, so I didn't have relationships like that. I didn't have people that I could call to express myself. So I'm keeping all of this in, you know, sitting in the living room by myself. Isolated alone. Absolutely. Isolated and alone, sitting there by myself, like rocking (laughs) like a psycho, like, okay, what do I do? You know, like it was, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. How bad did it get? Um, when I think about my lowest point, I think that there was a point. Oh, I'm going to cry. Hold on. You got to give me a minute. Um, I would have thoughts about how I could end it without anyone knowing. Um, And I don't even know how I could have, you know, done that. Um, I think for me, the guilt of being pregnant and I wasn't married, the guilt of like just all the things that come with being really religious because we grew up really religious, all that stuff started to weigh on me. It started to weigh on me a lot. And then again, being isolated and alone, it's just like, I I could just do this real quick. He would never know. He's at work. You know what I mean? I could do this real quick and be, and be done. Like those were some of the thoughts that I was having. I just, I wanted to, it was crazy because it was like, I wanted to hurt myself, 
but I didn't at the same time. You know, I just wanted to not be pregnant anymore. I just wanted to be done with that um, because I didn't I didn't know anything about anything. I, I wasn't helped. It wasn't like anybody came in and said, OK, this is what you're dealing with. This is how we overcome it. This is how you should be eating. I didn't know how, how do I take care of my I could barely take care of myself. And now I'm about to have a tiny human and you want me to keep this thing alive? Like, what do you mean? And so like, those are kind of some of the thoughts that like would just be going through my mind constantly, you know, especially being alone. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this, you know? And so I remember I was sitting in the apartment that we had. It was like a one bedroom apartment, like 400 square feet maybe. And um, I was sitting there And all of a sudden, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I got to figure out if nobody's going to help me, I got to figure out for myself what's going on. Like, what does it mean to have gestational diabetes? Is this a for everything? Because at that point, I didn't know that you could get rid of it. You know, it was like, you know, do I have and what does that mean for my body? Do I get rid of this? How does it affect my baby? What happens after? So I just started kind of going down the rabbit hole of researching for myself. So that I can make sense of what I was going through because no one explained it to me. It was just like, this is what you do. Check your blood sugar. Come see us. Here's a pill. That's it. You know? And I remember I had this journal and I still have it. And I started writing letters to my baby. And this, I think this was before I even knew his name, you know? So I was, I was writing letters to him. And I remember a letter that I wrote just basically saying that I'm going to be okay and I'm going to figure this out. And um, yeah, I just, I think after researching, then I kind of came across like how to use food as medicine and a plant-based diet. And, you know, I started researching about dairy and all kinds of stuff. Like it was, it was, I, I kind of went there. I, yeah. So that was a, you know, you, you started that then, so you you almost it's almost like you are looking like like a plane. You were in a nosedive. You saw that you were about to crash, and you pulled up, which hmm. a lot of people can't do that on their own. So that, that takes a lot of inner strength. Um, and I'm so glad that you did. So you started that process on on looking and 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 really looking at food as medicine, like you said before. But then you also said that you battled with. Um, postpartum for three years Mm -hmm. so when do you feel like there was a a healthy medina like for the first time after after all of those struggles and battles i'm gonna say something that's gonna sound really bad my son is seven now and i think i'm still not there yet Mm. um i see her i see the version of me that is thriving that is well that is healthy and don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not too far from that you know what I'm saying but I don't think people realize that I still I still battle with depression and anxiety a lot um after I had my son the the day that I had him that's when I started transitioning to a plant-based diet and I remember my first meal after giving birth my sister was my doula the first meal that I had was like a salad from like the salad bar at Whole Foods. And I said, from now on, 
Nobody bring me anything unless it's 100% plant-based. I know the hardest thing, like the meat part wasn't hard because growing up with my dad, he was pescatarian. Mm. So I was already used to eating a lot of veggies and, you know, stuff like that. Didn't always prepare it the right way, but I was used to that. So the meat part wasn't hard. It was the dairy that was really hard for me. And I obviously found myself going back to old ways and stuff like that, just because, again, I go from pregnancy to now my little human is here and that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm still by myself. I'm still isolated. I'm still, <laughs> you know, another level of stress. Yeah. <laughs> another yeah. level of stress. And so I think, and I think that's why I talk about stress so much. Like if in all of my content and everything that I have, you know, in my courses or, you know, that you see me post on social media, whatever, I talk about stress a lot because I've, I've lived it and I'm living it. And I know the impact that that has on your ability to function. You know what I'm saying? Let alone try to reverse diabetes. You know, it's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? And so it's hard when you ask that question, because like I said, I'm still navigating that right now. And yes, I've had great times. You know what I mean? I've had really up times, which is wonderful, but that three-year postpartum depression, I mean, I can't even put into words like it just it's hard and and it's hard because you know how you get to a place where you're like, I'm doing all the things I'm doing everything right. And it doesn't seem like it's making a difference. Like I'm eating plant based and I'm, you know, going outside every day and meditating and I'm doing all the stuff. I'm doing all of it. And it's like it's not working. I'm still super unhappy. I'm still super depressed. Now, again, at this time, you know, I'm dealing with different things, you know, in in my relationship and stuff like that. So it's like once you get over one thing, then something else gets added, just adding fuel to the fire, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if I truly can answer that question because it's it's a journey. I'm I'm on a journey. No, it is a journey. And I think you did answer um, it. perfectly because when you in the grand scheme of things when you when you're looking at it um your audience and just people in general um it's 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 life is a constant journey so they Mm -hmm. never feel like they're they're quite there where they need to be and so you um seemingly put together like like we like okay I feel bad when I look at these Instagram reels because I, as I'm as I'm eating donuts, you know, to know <laughs> to know that you have de- inner demons that you have slayed and that you continue yeah. to slay. You know, it's 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 a sense of hope. It's a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. for you, but it's a sense of hope, you know, for for all of us to to know that we we can get there if we keep battling, if we keep pushing forward, if we keep believing. Um, mm-hmm. so. Your story is very powerful. So it's not just gestational diabetes. Your story is I very. Still, I hear you. <laughs> it, it, it is very powerful. So you, you've gone through a lot and you continue to push through. What What would you like to leave? You know, your the listeners, the people, the people tuning tuning into this podcast who is just now getting your content for the first time. What would you like to leave leave them with? Like, what What's one thing that you can say about Medina Henry and about what you plan on doing for diabetes unplugged. Um, I think one thing that I want to leave people with is that it is all about the journey. 
and the journey is never over and that it is okay to not have everything figured out. You know, I think one thing that is really helping me even during this time, like, yes, I've accomplished so much and I'm still accomplishing different things, but healing is never over. I'm still healing. And yes, I have the tools and I I know exactly what to do and what to tell you to do to, you know, reverse diabetes and all those kinds of things. But that's why I put a lot of emphasis on, you know, trying to overcome some of the habits that led to the diagnosis in the first place. And so with Diabetes Unplugged, I want this to be a platform that gives people hope. I want this to be a platform that builds community. And I never want people to put me on a pedestal of feeling like I am better than them or like I have it all figured out because I don't. And we are all learning and getting through this together. You know what I'm saying? I I think that's really what I want Diabetes Unplugged to be, is just a place where we can go and feel understood, where there's no big eyes or little U's. You know, we're all just here supporting each other and um, just navigating this thing together, you know? 